Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Alrighty, guys, we are here for another episode of the Auto Bid. I am Aaron Robinson, joined as always by my twin brother Andrew Robinson. Today we have a special, special guest. We are joined by UMBC head coach Jim Ferry. Coach, thanks for joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me, man. This is good stuff. Excited. No problem, man. So also I want to make sure I remind you guys, as always, to make sure you guys are liking this podcast, subscribing to this, to this podcast. Give us a rating or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Man, it does go a long way. Each share, each stream, we, it definitely does help us to get this podcast out to the right people. Also, make sure you're streaming my guy, Pull Up Tay's music. That was him on the intro, man. So as always, make sure you give my guy some love on his music, man. But Coach, man, we are super excited to have you on. Um, obviously, you are, you know, the, the new head coach at UMBC. It's been almost a month. Uh, I believe April 12th it was that, that you got hired at, at UMBC, man. So, you know, what has your first month been like for you, uh, you know, as the head coach at UMBC? Well, it's been kind of crazy. I can't believe it's actually a month already, like you said. Um, you know what, man? My, my first thing was to just spend as much time as we could with the players. You know, I think it's always tough. One is a transition uh, when your head coach leaves, whether it's, you know, coach being let go or in this case, you know, Ryan moving on to another school. So my biggest thing was let's get here quickly. Let's put a staff together and just spend as much time as we can with these guys because, you know, do the NCAA rules and finals and stuff like that. We only had a certain amount of time that we could be with them with workouts and stuff. So my main goal was just like spend as much time with these guys that start getting this relationship going. And then, you know, once we're done working them out, then we can worry about, you know, finding places to live and doing all that stuff. So really it's just been, let's hit the ground running Let's uh, spend as much time as possible with our guys and then recruiting. You know, we had to recruit. We had uh, five scholarships, so we had to get after it recruiting-wise. And uh, so that's pretty much all we've been doing is spending our time with the players and recruiting and then obviously getting ourselves situated here on our campus. Now, Coach, man, obviously, you know, you, you've been a coach, uh, uh, head coach for a while, man, had multiple stops along the way. Um, what was talking about this UMBC job that made you say, you know, this is a job that I want to go ahead and, and, and try to get? Yeah, well, you know what? There's a lot of things. You know, I think that the, the school itself, when I was my first year at LIU, UNBC was in the league. They played, we were in the NEC conference. Um, and Sully, Tommy Sullivan was the, was the coach here. We were good friends. And I've just kind of followed UNBC over the years and just how much this place has blossomed. I mean, you know, the, the university itself, it's, it's one of the hottest universities in the country. Um, beautiful campus, the facilities, and then the success that the basketball program has had and moving on into the America East, you know. So when I left LIU, coached at Duquesne in the Atlantic 10 and coached at Penn State for a while, I've always kind of looked at, at – coming back to this level, you know, whether it's a mid-major school that's committed, 
good school, good people committed to winning. So uh, when this opportunity opened up, I was really excited about it. And then when I got to meet the people, uh, it just really just the whole thing just snowballed, you know, from first getting to meet Brian Barrio, the athletic director just seeing his his passion and his care his care for the kids cares for the program and then you know obviously getting to meet uh dr freeman rabowski i mean that, that was unbelievable he's a he's a really just a just a such a dynamic human being and i did my research on him i was told i was going to meet him so i did a little research like we all do right i jump on my computer i google him like two hours later, I was still on a computer reading about him, listening to his TED talk. Like, wow, there's a reason this place is as successful as it is. And just everybody I met one after another, after another, it was just, you can sense the, the sincerity um, for how much they love this place and the kids and how much they want to do things the right way. So it was a no brainer for me. And I can't tell you how excited I am to be here. Now you mentioned briefly just now, you stopped at LIU at Duquesne. You were the interim at Penn State, you know, uh, after being assistant there for, for, I believe, four years. I mean, you know, talk about, you know, your, your stops along the way, you know, at, at LIU, man, where you were able to win two NEC championships back-to-back, you know, go, then going to Duquesne for a few years, being at Penn State. Then last year, obviously having the opportunity to be the interim head coach uh, at Penn State. I mean, just talk, talk a little bit about your journey that, that has got you to this point here today at UMBC. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, it's kind of – I guess it's everybody's journey is unique, but I think mine was a little bit unique, and I've, I've coached at every level. I mean, uh, I was a Division II basketball player. I was a good player, not a great one. I was a good player at Division II. Um, I got my career started uh, at my alma mater, Keene State. Um, you know, I was just talking to one of the younger coaches in the business. You know, I was pumping gas from 5.30 in the morning till around noon, take a quick shower, and then get to the office and work just because I wanted to get into coaching, you know, the stuff we did to get into coaching. I worked at Bentley College, which is a great Division II school in the Boston area. Got my first head coaching job as a division three head coach at Plymouth State College. Um, then moved on to Adelphi University, which was a division two program. We had great success there. Um, we became number one in the country, number three in the country. Then I, I took over an LIU program that needed a total rebuild. You know, so it was my first division one job in downtown Brooklyn, you know, where my family's from. I'm a New York guy. And rebuilt that program from maybe one of the you know, worst jobs in the country to more, built it to be one of the best in that conference, winning back-to-back championships. And then my assistant took over and he won a third championship and, you know, really got a program sustained. And then took an opportunity to go to the Atlantic 10, a multi-bid league, and again, had to rebuild a program basically from, from scratch again. Um, you know, we did a really good job building it. Then it was an administration change and president change and went in a different direction. So, Fortunate enough, I went to Penn State. I was brought in to be the offensive coordinator to help stimulate their offense a little bit. And we had great success there. I mean, my first year, we won the NIT championship. Two years later, we were ranked ninth in the country, you know, before this pandemic hit and took us out of the NCAA tournament. And then, uh, you know, we had some adversity and Pat resigned last year. Pat Chambers resigned last year right before the season started. And I was made the interim head coach. Um, and we did a good job. We had some great success. We had some great wins, really helped stabilize that program. And then this opportunity came up. So when you look at someone like myself, I've coached at all different levels from, you know, division three to the big 10. That's a lot of ground that's, that's covered in there. And, and I'll be honest with you, this might be the best job I've ever had, you know, coming in at a place like this, that's had success. It's built to win. It's one of the best jobs in this league. So again, I just, you know, really, really excited to have this opportunity. 
Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, definitely quite the journey, Coach. And, um, I mean, you've had the pleasure of being able to coach a number of great players, man. Like we mentioned, you know, our, our guy, our Springbrook guys, the CJ Gardner and Jamal Lassawer, um at, at LIU, man, definitely a lot of great players at Duquesne. You had the, I had the opportunity, obviously, coaching the Big Ten to coach guys like Tony Carr. Um, for you, man, like, when you look back at now, you know, coming into this UMBC program, you mentioned recruiting uh, as one of the biggest things, you know, that uh, you have to do in order to kind of get this program back to where it has to go. Obviously, you know, Coach, Coach Oldman did a great job of getting players in there. Had a couple guys that went with him to, to Utah State. Um, but for you, man, what do you think is, 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 is going to be your kind of um, recruiting pitch to these guys that you're going to try to now bring into this UMBC program as you try to start this one up? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, just we're so fortunate to be in the DMV, right? Like, there's so many good players around here, as you guys well know. You know, there's so many good players around here. And, you know, you, and listen, you can't get them all, and a lot of kids want to go away. Um, but we, we got to start in our backyard. You know, we, got, we hit the ground running a little bit later here. So this recruiting class, you know, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to keep any home or get any to come back. But I think that's going to be our focus is start in our backyard, start with the relationships here. You know, a lot of people, even in the area, don't realize, you know, how great this place is. You know, we got to get them on campus, you know, and obviously hiring Evan Baker, being a local guy, being your guys' guy, um, get, was going to help get a lot of people on campus to see how special this place really is, you know. And then you just got to build it with, you know, who fits the school, who fits my philosophy of how we want to do things and how we want to play. Um, so hopefully we can attract a lot of these local kids or at least – now with this transfer portal, maybe get some of these local kids to come back home, you know? So we always play a really up-tempo style of play. My teams have always been high octane and high scoring. Obviously you guys remember CJ and Jamal flying up and down the court. Uh, and that's going to, I've always done it that way. We did it at Penn State that way too. Like we're going to play aggressive and get up and down. So hopefully it's something that will help us attract, you know, some really good players when you look at the university and the type of school that it is and our facilities and the league. And, and you know, Ryan and those guys did a great job of really setting that bar high here and, and winning. So we're just trying to try to keep this thing going. Now you mentioned your staff a little bit. Obviously our guy, Evan Baker, who spent time at Penn State, spent time at, at Akron. You also brought Danny Lawson, who was with you at uh, LIU and also Duquesne. And also uh, Josh Pelletier, who's been at Albany, has ties overseas in Australia and New England. I mean, talk to me a little bit about what went into putting your staff together. You know, what were you looking for? Um, in, in, in each guy that you put together and, you know, what about the staff that you've put together, you know, uh, how are you feeling good about this about this, this season coming up? Yeah, well, you know, putting a staff together is one of the most important things. Obviously, I've had a lot of experience doing that. And, you know, you, you got to find people that fit the university. You got to find people that really fit who you are as a person and, and someone that can challenge me and help me get better um, in each step and every day of what we're doing. You know, so I was very fortunate with, with Danny, you know, Coach Lawson. I worked for Danny Lawson's dad at Bentley College. He's still at Bentley. He's been a coach there for 30-something years. So he got me started, and I learned a lot from him. And then I watched Danny grow, and, you know, Danny was an assistant coach with the Celtics, a video coordinator with the Celtics when they won the championship. And then, obviously, I, he worked with me at LIU, and then I took him to Duquesne with me as well. And he's been a Division three head coach for the past couple of years. So the ability to get a, a, someone with head coaching experience and then someone that's been by my side a lot that understands the way I want to do things was really important. You know, Josh Pelletier, being in this league, I thought was very important. You know, he had seven years at Albany who had been very, very successful, won a championship, understands what this league is about, it's great connections. And a lot of people don't realize Josh worked for me at Duquesne also. So we had had a relationship prior to that too. 
Um, and then again, you know, I always think it's important to make sure you have someone local. If you're not from that area, I think it's important getting someone with some local ties. So I thought Evan was a home run. And, and I've known Evan since he's been 16 years old, you know, just, just seeing him play in high school. And then obviously when our cross pass at Quinnipiac and LIU and then followed his career, we just always kind of stayed in touch. I remember when he, when he got injured, how devastating it was for him. And I remember talking to him before one of our games. And, and it, our relationship started from there, really, and it just took off. And our paths actually crossed at Penn State for a little bit, too. Um, so I got to really see him blossom. So getting him here was huge. And then I, what I did, too, is I, I kept Jake Brodish. So Jake had been here for four years. Um, he was on Ryan Odom's staff as the basketball operations guy. He has a master's from UMBC. Um, so I think when you can keep a local guy, I mean, keep a, someone from a previous staff, I think it helps with a little bit with the transition with the players and the, and the understanding what the university and the area is like. So I think we put together a great staff here um, for the America East. It really fits it well. And we're all a little different from each other. We all have different niches, but I think we're going to work great together. Now you just mentioned, you know, the American East conference and obviously, you know, Harper won the American East this year. Um, historically, I, I, I would say not historically, but recent memory kind of has been Vermont and UMBC, you know, kind of battling out at, at, at top of the league. Obviously, you guys, you know, had that big time upset over Virginia in the NCAA tournament. Um, what do you think it's going to take for you guys to kind of get UMBC back to that level where they're, you know, in the NCAA tournament uh, competing for, for wins? Yeah, I think, you know, again, it comes down to recruiting the right guys. You know, obviously, we got here a couple of guys. Um, left and what would Coach Odom to Utah State, another player went into the portal. So, you know, we kind of quickly had to reestablish who we are and what we're trying to do and recruit some good players. And I think we've done that. Um, now it's just a matter of getting these guys back on campus and kind of blending together. I think the America East is a great league. Obviously, I've followed it for so long, being a, you know, a Northeast kind of guy. Um, you know, I, listen, I remember when Vermont was awful <laughs> when they couldn't win ever, you know, and then Tommy Brennan got it going again. And then they've really done well. Albany was always up there. Stony Brook had a good run with Peichel, you know, so now like UMBC's worked its way up there. And that was one of the things that was really exciting about this opportunity. And, you know, now it's my job to kind of keep it going. There's always a little bit of transition, um, but hopefully it won't take that long transition wise. We're able to keep you know, some of our guards and some of our backcourt guys. So we just got to put the right pieces together and just really focus on getting better every day, you know, and that's what we talked about working with these guys here um, before finals had started. And then once we get back in, in July, it's just getting all the pieces together, getting everybody together, getting everybody meshed together, and then just focus on getting better every day. And then we'll, you know, we'll deal with it at the end of the year. We'll see where the cards stand and what seed we get and try to make a run at the conference championship. Now, you mentioned, you know, we're returning some backcourt guys, and obviously you guys were able to get Darnell Rogers and Keandre Kennedy to come back to UMBC. I mean, just how big was that for you guys, you know, getting those two guys, you know, to, to come back to UMBC um, for, for the extra year of eligibility? I think that's great. You know, I think they're really two really good players. Uh, you throw LJ in there too, man. LJ Owens, he's a good player, man. Really good player. So my thing with, with all these guys when I got here is that, listen, I wanted to keep the whole team together. And not necessarily for selfish reasons, but I thought these guys as a group of guys had had great success. They'd done a lot of good things. They built together and they came up a little short last year. So it was almost like some unfinished business. So I wanted to kind of keep them together and help them achieve what they wanted to achieve. A couple of guys chose to, to, to move on and the other guys chose to stay. I just kind of told them who I am, what I am, look me up, 
you know, we all in this business, as you guys know, we all kind of know each other, right? There's all this network that goes on throughout the years. Um, so I said, Hey man, look me up. You know, I, I, I do well with my players and coach you guys fairly and give some offensive freedom. And so guys really like, you know, Keandre, LJ, like, Hey man, I'm good. You know, I'm in. And then Darnell was actually home and he came back and said, Hey, I'm in. So I want to stay. So, you know, good guys, really excited about the opportunity to be able to coach him. And I think it's going to give us a good chance to, to compete right away. Now, another thing I got to ask about you, Coach. Um, I'm not sure what the rules are as far as, you know, the, the NLI, you know, the grad transfer stuff, but, you know, me and my brother played in the MAC for four years against a guy by the name of Ray Salonay, who just announced he's coming to UMBC next year. Um, if you can, you know, talk about his game, what are going to bring to you guys, obviously coming from DePaul, playing in the Big East last year, and now being able to come to the UMBC program that, as you mentioned, already has a pretty strong backcourt. Are you going to be able to add another dynamic guard to that puzzle? Yeah, I'm really not allowed to comment on Ray. Um, so I apologize about that. But uh, I think you I hit it pretty good. I think you hit it pretty good. <laughs> you probably can. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if I, what, what the timeline was like. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, yeah, we cannot comment on individuals right now. Honorable man, honorable man. We love, we love, we love a coach. Well, you know, for our listeners, I kind of describe Ray Ray's game a little bit, man. New, New York guy, you know. So I'm sure you know that played a role in, in, in him uh, coming to UBC. But New York guy, man, um, very shifty with the ball, man. I think he's going to be able to add a lot, you know, to you guys. But um, another thing I wanted to ask you, man, kind of change the gears a little bit. Um, I had to ask you about your your, your time back at L, uh, LIU, man. Because this time I was. I was at Springbrook High School, you know, right down in Montgomery County, Maryland. And, um, you know, watching two Springbrook alum, you know, Jamal Osweir and C.J. Garner be able to go to the state tournament. You had some crazy teams, man. I mean, outside of those two guys, even Jason Brickman was a great point guard. Julian Boyd was an amazing player. I mean, you guys had some crazy, crazy teams in the NEC. You know what I mean? To be to have four guys like that in the NEC, man, was just was special, man. I mean, it's no surprise that you guys were able to win, you know, back-to-back when you were there and then a third, you know, that very next year. But, I mean, talk about those teams, man, back at LIU, man, and kind of what you guys were able to do kind of looking back, you know, on that now, you know, you know, years and years later. Yeah, I mean, it was a great time for us. Um, you know, again, when I got to LIU, you know, it was tough, man. You know, they, they had won five games. I took over a program of a bunch of guys that, really didn't like each other, didn't like school, didn't really even like basketball, I guess. So we had to rebuild it brick by brick by brick. And it was always about just getting the right kids, you know, getting good kids that fit. And, you know, people gave me a little bit of heck for it because being a New York guy, I didn't just recruit all New York guys. I actually went down to Texas. We had a bunch of guys on our team from Texas. Started with a little guard named James Williams from DeSoto, Texas. Um, then each year I'd go down there and find another guy. They were good students. They were good people. And they were all really good players. And we were really fortunate because as we build up that connection down in Texas, it kind of – we spread out a little bit more. We got into Maryland and, you know, we, we recruited Jamal um, really aggressively. And we had already had Julian. Um, we had already had um, Kenny Onieci. We had Mike Copa. We had some good players. And then, you know, we were able to get Jamal Lossaware. We got uh, Brickman in that same class. Um, and then we actually got C.J. Gardner to transfer in. At that time, you had to sit out. Um, so we were able to get some really good players and really good people. Like, they were great guys, like great guys to be around with, be around all the time. And listen, man, we, we won it when those guys were sophomores, when Jamal and those guys were sophomores. And Julian – 
their freshman year, Julian Boyd had to sit out. He had a heart issue. So it was Julian's sophomore year. He was just the rookie of the year in the league. And he had to sit out. We might have won it four years in a row if Julian was, was up. But when Julian being out, it forced us to play Jamal right away. And Jamal, as you guys know, Jamal, high, high energy, high, high emotion. So there were some days in freshman year, like, yo, man, sit down. Sit down. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you a story about those two. There we go. So Jamal, there we go. I got a lot of them. Some of them I can't say on you. So, <laughs> Two of the most confident human beings I have ever been around and totally different. And man, would they go at it every day in practice? And, you know, Jamal, he, he was the, the big scrap and he was the pit bull. And CJ was like that little dog running around. And CJ would always get under Jamal's skin, man. He could do it. He could just get under his skin and he'd always go after him and tell him to do it. They'd just go out. I have to stop practicing. Like, would you guys stop? All right, you two get out of here. Get over. So those two guys would always go at it every day. And it was just great to see, like, you know, as much as Jamal, you know, he was the stud, CJ kind of had control of that whole thing, you know. And those guys were really great to coach. I mean, believe me, there were some days I wanted to strangle CJ. I mean, he was, you know, doing his thing. and that. But I'll tell you what, man, when the lights came on, those guys, man, they were so competitive, so competitive. I remember calling my buddy with We're playing a game in Madison Square Garden. And we're playing against St. Francis of Brooklyn. So it's a big rivalry. It's the Battle of Brooklyn. But, you know, both teams were really good. We had just won the championship. And I'm, I'm on the bus to Madison Square Garden with the team. And uh, one of my buddies calls. And I'm like, hey, man, you know, I'm just a little concerned. Like, we'd already beaten them. I don't know. My buddy goes, yo, man, you're playing in Madison Square Garden with those two guys? As soon as those lights come on, they're going to go. <laughs> and that's exactly what they did, man. Those kids were winners, man, winners. I still, I still talk to Jamal quite a bit. You know, he's having a great career um, in Europe. He's had a little baby. I know CJ did really well in, in the uh, recording business. And it's funny because I went back for, for their senior year for their championship game, and I talked to CJ. Like, hey, man, like, if you want to go play overseas, I can help you. You're a good player, man. You can make a lot of money. He's like, nah, man, I want to. I want to do this other stuff. So it's good for him, man. Great kids. Great kids. There's great runs. Um, totally changed our lives together. Um, and I'll tell you what, man, I could show you as a combo like that again. So if you guys got another one at Springbrook, let me know. We'll take another one. <laughs> hey, man, Drew, Drew and I will, will be on the lookout, man. You know, me, me and Ed talk quite a bit. So, so we'll have conversations about, uh, about a few guys definitely uh, down the line, man. But um, I, I wanted to ask you, man, I mean, um, about your time last year at Penn State, I mean, obviously, like you said, you you, you inherited a, a a situation that was extremely unique with Coach Chambers stepping down, and obviously the COVID year was extremely difficult for everybody to to, to, to manage. But I mean, Drew and I actually were at, at the Maryland game. You guys were down the whole game at Maryland, and you guys were able to come back in the last couple minutes of the game and win that game. I mean, that was a crazy game. I think that was the first game that Maryland had let fans in the yeah, you're right at Xfinity. So you guys had a little section up there, and yeah, we did, yeah. Crazy. It was senior night at Maryland. It was, it was Maryland senior night. So Maryland had a couple of fans. I mean, tell me a little bit about, about last year, what that was like, you know, through, through COVID, through all the adversity, um, and, and being able to have an opportunity to be a, be a head coach uh, in the Big Ten. Yeah, you know, it, it was – we knew we had a chance to be okay. You know, we had just lost Mike Watkins and obviously Lamar Stevens to the NBA. Um, so we knew it was going to be a little bit of a rebuilding year. Uh, and, you know, obviously COVID devastated us because we were, we were, you know, one of the best teams in the country the year before, getting ready to play in the NCAA tournament, which hadn't happened in a long time at Penn State. 
So it all just kind of snowballed, right? Like, you know, the no NCAA tournament, and now we're bringing guys back. And now it's COVID, and it's been really crazy. And trying to work with guys in small groups, and then all of a sudden, you know, Coach Kate Chambers resigns, and the kids were devastated. You know, and and they came to me, and obviously because of all my experience, and said, "Hey, can you know, could you help guide us right now and be the interim head coach?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And it was just, you know, you just click on you you, you go from being the assistant to click on the, the head coaching hat again. You know, and it was really just about trying to help those guys you know the first thing was just listen you know I sat them down and I just want to listen to what what they were feeling what were they thinking what was going on it was really it was tough man it was really tough and then once the guys decided they wanted to play it was more about let's stay present so that was my message every day is let's just stay present man like there's a lot of craziness going on around us we can't control what just happened you know everybody's talking about the future but like you know everybody was getting recruited. All the coaches were calling kids, come play for me, come play with me. And I said, listen, if we're going to do this, let's do it together and let's stay present. And we love the game of basketball. That's what we all love. So we're like, let's just use this game to keep us together every day. So for those two hours we were together, man, let's have fun. Let's get better. And that's what I said to the staff. Like our job last year was to help these guys achieve their goals, no matter what's going on. So let's try to compete and win games in a big 10. And let's try to get these guys better. Um, to help their careers. And I, I think you see, we actually had a good year, you know, for, if for Penn State standards, we won just as many games as we won seven league games. We won a game in a tournament. Um, you know, we were a high scoring octane team guy, ball, balls being shared. Guys had a lot of fun. And I thought we did a great job under, under really tough, tough circumstances. Uh, and obviously, you know, it's hard enough to have to deal with COVID, but then having to deal with it in the Big Ten, which is the best conference in the in the world, you know, and had some good wins, man. We beat Wisconsin for like the first time ever, you know. I don't know how many years it was. We beat we beat Maryland twice now, not just once. Beat them twice. <laughs> you know, and, hey, listen, Turgeon's done a great job. He did a great job last year. I thought he really did, you know, figuring out whose team his team was. Um, but you know, we had some really good wins. We had some really tough, close losses to like Michigan, Ohio State. So it was a really good year. I think we all learned and. and to be quite honest, it might have been my, my best coaching job ever, considering all the circumstances and just trying to do what was best for the kids and keep these guys together and the staff together every day. And, and you know what? I got better from it, and, and hopefully I'm going to bring that experience here to help us get better here. Yeah. yeah now, I definitely think you did an exceptional job last year, man. Like I said, me and my brother had a chance to you know, come to that, that Maryland game man, and see you guys, man. So um, you know, definitely you know, um, tip my hat to you, Coach. Um, I want to kind of ask you, man, you, you mentioned it a little bit in your, in your response just now. Um, you know, when I, when I think about, you know, COVID, right, and the, the effects that it had on college basketball, man, like the programs who I really feel for the most is like a Penn State, who you guys were rolling before and didn't get a chance to go to a tournament. The, the teams like Dayton, who top, was the top five team in the country, and now this year didn't really have that same type of year. For you, man, like just walk me through what that moment was like for you guys, man. When you guys, when the season shut down, man, like what were the emotions like? And when you guys found out you guys weren't going to be able to go to the tournament and then kind of how did you guys kind of bring it back and, you know, kind of put a cap on that season, man, when there was just so much what could have been? Yeah, that's a great point because a lot of people don't even understand that. So, you know, and you guys know this because you guys played at a high level, but, you know, during the basketball season, right, you kind of lose contact with the world. Right. I know me like during the season, I, I become Uncle Jimmy to my kids. I'm not even dad anymore. You know, I'm never around. I'm not, and when I am around, I'm just watching tape or whatever, maybe. So, you know what? I really we weren't really even paying attention to what was going on in the world with the whole COVID. You know, so we had flown out uh, to Indianapolis for the Big Ten tournament. Like I said, we were ranked 
I don't know what we were at that point, but we had had a great season. We were top 10 in the country, one of the hottest teams in the country. We knew we were going to the NCAA tournament no matter what happened in the, in the Big Ten tournament. So we go out there and we have our shoot around. Or we practiced that first day back to the hotel. And then the stuff like what Rudy Gobert happened. Remember, like all of a sudden, Rudy Gobert happened. And all of a sudden, they take everybody off the court. We're like, all right, what's going on? This is, this is different. So then we go to our practice we have a, a shoot around in the morning at the arena. So we go to the arena, we have our shoot around as we're leaving Rutgers and Michigan is coming in to get ready to play the first game of that night. We go back to our hotel and, you know, we're going to have a little rest and a pregame meal. And then all of a sudden, like the phone rings, I like, a meeting, like it's over. Like we're not having a tournament. Like what? So then like, we're trying to figure out what's going on. All right. Athletic directors with us, we get a charter. We have our charter plane waiting for us. We fly back. But we're like, you know what? There'll still be an NCAA tournament because, you know, they need to have an NCAA tournament. This is only a couple weeks, whatever. We land and when we land, it says NCAA tournament canceled. So now we go in a locker room and it's just, you know, emotion, just, just pure emotion. Guys are crying. The seniors are like, you know, Lamar Stevens had an opportunity. I think he was like four points away from being the all-time leading scorer in Penn State history. He didn't get that opportunity. It was just devastating. And then we all kind of said, all right, let's just go home for a little. I packed a bag for like a week. I want to be in home for six months. <laughs> you know, like what, what just happened? So, and then all this stuff happened with his team. So it was more kind of like, same thing. Let's just rally around each other. You know, got some unfinished business. Obviously, we lost Lamar as a pro, but we can still do this and get better. And I think it was just something that, you know, you had to be able to adjust. That's, the, that's just a fact. I think we all got better at, you know, you know adjusting on the fly and, and being able to adapt to things because, you know, what this pandemic did, it really kind of exposed everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, Coach, I want to ask you, I mean, obviously, UMBC, the team that has, you know, been in the tournament, put off the only 16-1 upset in NCAA tournament history. I mean, what does your idea of success look like at UMBC? I mean, what are your goals and aspirations for this program uh, as, as you take on this new chapter uh, in UMBC basketball? Yeah, I think, you know, the way the program has been established now, I think the, the goal has to be competing for an America East championship every year. You know, giving ourselves that opportunity to get to the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, being a top four team in this league and hopefully getting some home games and then making a run in this tournament to, to get back to the NCAA tournament. I mean, you know, I don't want to compare ourselves to that 1-16 to 16 win because that's just not fair to these guys. That was an unbelievable accomplishment. I think guys like us, I mean, we were all rooting for them, right? We were, I, had to, I was that opportunity once. We played Michigan State. We were down five at half as a 16 against one. Then some guy named Draymond Green decided the game was going to be over. (laughs) North Carolina, we were right there with them. So we were all rooting for that that upset. You know, now I don't ever want to be compared to that team. So hopefully we don't get the 16th seed. Hopefully we get a little higher. That's my goal. We can win some games, get a little higher, and then try to make a run. But I think it's ultimately, you know, in this conference and mid-major league, you got to focus on getting better every day. And then giving yourself a chance at the end of the year that you're playing your best basketball, that you can win the America East Conference Championship and then, you know, get an NCAA tournament and make a run. I mean, I think, you know, when you look at kind of just the way college basketball is going right now, right? I mean, as like you mentioned, man, we all play a coach at, at this level, man. I think with the transfer portal, man, guys coming in and out 
Um, you know, a lot of people have said that, you know, like um, it's going to hurt mid-majors because guys are going to be leaving, which, which is true. But, I mean, it's also going to be guys that are going to be coming down to the mid-majors from those high majors, the A-10 school and things like that. And you know, for me, man, when I watch the NCAA tournament this year, man, I see, you know, 15-seeded Oral Roberts knock off Ohio State or, you know, Abilene Christian knock off Texas, man. It's like I feel like in some, in some aspects, man, like the gap is, is, is really narrowing. You know, when, it, when you look at, you know, these – low majors compared to these high majors, especially in the NCAA tournament at that level. How do you feel about, you know, obviously, y'all, you're going to be walking into a team at UMBC. Um, you know, what do you feel about um, that, that dynamic and kind of like just the way college basketball is going right now as far as, you know, the tournament, transfer portal, and kind of like, do you think that it is kind of narrowing the gap between these, you know, those the high major teams? Like, what, what are your thoughts on, on, on that? Yeah, I think there's been more parity in college basketball over the past five years. And I think the whole the one-and-done thing has kind of changed it. You know, it had that little spurt of being the hot thing to do, one and done. And now it's like, you look, man, it's the older teams. You might have all these one and done. They're just not succeeding in that tournament as much as they did in the past. It's it's the older teams, whether it's the, you know, Loyola or Chicago is older. They're going to beat Illinois. You know what I mean? Like that was in Illinois. They were great. I, I thought they were a fantastic team. I thought they had a chance to go to the Final Four. And I think that's a big thing in this. And now with the transfer portal – I think now, you know, it's almost like free agency in the NBA. Like, you, you got to be able to put teams together quickly. It might not be as much about developing a group of kids from freshmen to seniors, kind of like we did at LAU, although we kind of won early with those guys. Um, but it's more about putting a team together that fits each other. And then you can hopefully get older, you know. So if you do take a transfer to, well, now they're not going to transfer again. Right. So that's where you build it up from that point. I think, you know, places like UMBC or, or leagues like this, I think we're going to give ourselves a chance to compete because people won't be staying in one spot as long where they can really get better as a group. So I think there's going to be some moving pieces to that. So I think if you can get old and stay old, I think you're going to give yourself a chance. Now, that last question I wanted to ask you about, you know, your old school, Duquesne, was the first school in the country to hire a name, image, and likeness uh, brand coach. Uh, I don't know if you saw that or not, but they hired a, a, a person specifically on staff for, like, brand management for the players and whatnot. I mean, just what are your thoughts about, about the way the game is going with this NIL thing coming in next year and how that potentially changed a lot of things uh, in, in college basketball? Yeah, and, and, you know, I know Duquesne hired a guy, but a lot of schools have done it too. Like, we, we you know – we were using the influencer at Penn State. Like, we've been on top of that stuff for a while now and how it works. I mean, it's going to change, but come on, man. You know, I might get in trouble for saying this, but there's been a lot of money made, you know, on guys like you wearing a jersey and scoring points and then people selling it. I, I, think, it's, I think it's fair. I think it's fair. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you're talking about an enormous amount of money that's been made for the university and stuff. So these guys have an opportunity, you know, as long as everybody does it the right way. Um, but what people are going to realize is not everybody's going to make money and they're not going to make as much money as they think. And we did a lot of research on this. Um, it, and again, it comes down to this, right? It comes down to who's following you. Yep. You got more followers like you guys, you got all those followers that people are going to want you to say stuff about it, right? Because you say that and all your followers see it and that's where it's all going. So, um, but I also think it's, it, there's, there's going to be tears to it. You know, hey, listen, man, a quarterback at, at Penn State is going to make, you know, a lot of money off his name, image, and likeness. Where, sure. you know, I don't know if the two guard at, 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 you know, at the lower level school is going to 
make that much money off it. But I think it's fair, you know, let these kids be able to earn a little bit of money off of, of who they are and what they're doing. And it's going to change the game of basketball. Uh, but it's also, you know, so hasn't the portal. So it hasn't one and done. So it wasn't grad transfers. So we'll all adjust, you know, that the game is still the game. You know, so hopefully we can keep it, you know, as a team game. I think it, the, the name, image, and likeness is going to bring a little bit more individuality to it, which I think hurts the game. Uh, but hopefully we can all keep it together and just, you know, make this game as great as it is. Well, Coach, man, we definitely want to thank you for your time, man. This has been a lot of fun, man, you know, reminiscing, you know, back back in the day, man. And uh, definitely, man, we're, we're wishing you the absolute best, man, on your time at UMBC, man. Like Ace said, you know, if you need anything, you need some local guys, man, definitely want we're a phone call away, Coach. So, um, Definitely, man. Thanks again for your time, man, man. We'll definitely be uh, be rooting for you guys at UMBC. All right, man. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate having me. And like we said, once all this COVID stuff's over, we'll get you over and, and give you a tour of the facilities and stuff. I can't wait, man. I can't wait. So thanks again, Coach. We appreciate your time. Awesome, guys. Thanks a lot, man. No problem. See you soon. All righty, guys. That was UMBC head coach Jim Ferry. I want to give a shout out to him for coming on. We definitely go way back with our guys Jamal Lassawer and CJ Gardner and all the Springbrook guys, man. So definitely thanks to him for coming on, man. Wish him the best of luck at UMBC. This has been another episode of the Auto Bid. Make sure you guys are liking our content, subscribing, giving us a rating, sharing our content, and engaging with us on social media. Um, that is going to do it for this episode of the Auto Bid. We can let our guy pull up Tay, take us out with some intro music, and until next time, folks. It's time to get a check, boy. You want the sideline? You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You bitten on me? What's the topic of discussion? What we talking about? Take your best shot, I'ma take the last shot. I'm drawing in the clutch, boy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.